0: handle here on a uh, thursday morning oh so much to cover great instagram we have another one going up too by the way uh you know it's like morphine you finally get it and oh thank god the pain has gone away it's like an opiate and uh, you'll see that up on the instagram uh also, uh, oh, the, the big news with, of course, uh, the president and the reversal of his decision for the separation of families issue. And then coming up at 9 o'clock, uh, this is going to be a very interesting one. All these shooters, you think we knew why? The FBI just did a study and said, no, no, you have it wrong. And I'll tell you what that study just showed. It's an FBI study. All right, now, uh, yesterday in uh, court in Paris, uh, California... Oh, wasn't it? wasn't it in Paris where the court was? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris San Carlo covering it for us. Uh, Chris, where was uh, the court hearing?
1: It was in Riverside. Riverside, got US it. Superior court, there. right? Yep.
0: All right. And this has to do with the uh, the the Turpin, uh, David and Louise Turpin, who are accused of uh, torturing their kids and the little gal, the seventeen year old, escaped. So, Chris, let's go through it and talk about. What came out of uh, the hearing yesterday or the trial, I think, is when it started?
1: Yeah. So yesterday was the preliminary hearing, and that's when the prosecution lays out their evidence uh, before the judge trying to make the case that there should be a trial. And so what we heard to begin with yesterday was a 911 call lasted about 20 minutes, and it was of the 17 year old who escaped from her house. And, uh, you know, was trying to explain to the 911 operator what was happening in the home, but also even where the home was. And there were some things that really took me aback as soon as the audio started playing. Number one was the fact that she did not sound 17. She probably sounded about 10 or 11, maybe 12 years old. Uh, number two is that when the operator asked her her name and to spell her last name, in the first instance, she spelled her last name incorrectly. She added an E instead of an I to turpin. And then uh the next thing that really struck me was when the 911 operator asked her her address. She said, uh, hold on a minute. And you could hear her kind of rust- rustling through a bag or some paper or something. And it took her a good minute. And then she came back and started reading a bunch of numbers. And the 911 operator was like, no, sweetie, that's... that's those are just a bunch of numbers. I need a street name. And so then she read a bunch of numbers and then a street name. And then the 911 operator was like, those numbers don't make sense. Can you look at the numbers in front of your house? And she said, well, I'm not at my house right now. Um, and she's like, well, are you reading a piece of paper? She's like, yes, I'm reading a piece of paper, which it sounded like was an envelope with Louise Turpin's name on it. And if, eventually we figured out, or the 911 operator figured out, that she was combining the numbers of the zip code with the numbers of the address, and that, that's why they couldn't quite figure it out. And then the 911 operator said, well, where are you right now? And she said, I'm not really sure. I'm a, you know, a couple of blocks away from home. I'm really scared. I, I, I never leave the house. I'm never outside. I don't really know what to do. And you could hear the trembling in her voice, but also just kind of an odd steadiness throughout the uh, the entire call. And through the course of this, we started to hear some of the abuse that was happening as she explained that, you know, Two of her sisters were chained up, and that's why she decided to, to make the run. She got the cell phone. Her oldest brother had a cell phone, got a new cell phone, discarded that old one. She grabbed that one. It was disabled from any sort of wire uh, of any form of uh, cell- cellular connectivity, but all of these phones, you can still dial 911 regardless of that, and so she was able to call 911, and we listened to it all the way through until the deputies showed up, and then that's where they pick up in the courtroom to the deputy. And his conversation with this 17 year old and and again we get deeper and deeper into this abuse and we get deeper into deeper into what's happening in the household. Uh, We heard from investigators with the Riverside County District Attorney's Office as they talk about the fact that you know these kids were nocturnal. They slept uh, basically all day, woke up at 11, went back to sleep at 3 a.m. They were in their rooms for 20 hours a day. The first deputies that arrived on scene said the smell in the home was just overbearing so bad 17-year-old, you know, she told the deputy that she would stick her head out the window because the smell was so bad. They talked about what these kids ate. It it used to be two meals, lunch and dinner. It, It eventually was shrank down into one meal, one combined meal between the two they would every single day imagine this every single day get a peanut butter sandwich and a jalapeno bologna sandwich and a frozen burrito and chips and water and that was their meal every single day and they were called out by the oldest sister one at a time they weren't allowed to eat together and and they would stand there at the counter and they would eat this meal all
0: right chris can i put you on hold a minute because i want to yeah, sure. ask a, a couple more questions uh, and go through this story i mean it's it's almost beyond belief how is, a parent yeah. can treat children like that, and I'll be back with Chris San Carlo. First let's check in with Jennifer Jones. KFI handle here on a Thursday morning, uh, up at nine o'clock, uh, the FBI just released a report, and everything you thought about shooters. Why they do it, how they do it. Well, we know how they do it. But why shooters are out there is going to change the way you perceive this. Uh, The FBI is saying, no, no, you've got it all wrong. All right. Back we go to Chris San Carlo, who was uh, in the courtroom yesterday, a preliminary hearing of David Louise Turpin, accused of torturing and starving their children and the 17-year-old girl who was able to escape the daughter uh, called 911 and started describing what went on in the house. So, uh, it, uh, Chris, let's go back to uh, the food. And uh, that is particularly poignant. Uh, when you talk about chaining the kids up, uh, I mean, that in and of itself is simply horrific. But uh, one, one of the... Uh, issues or one of the stories is these people were eating well in front of the kids and in many cases starving them. Are they going through that during the preliminary hearing?
1: Yeah, we heard more details about how the parents would order out, whether it be, you know, Little Caesars or Domino's, and they would eat a pizza in front of the kids and the kids wouldn't have any. Uh They would do the same thing with, like, Jersey Mike's or they would go out and get French fries. Like, all of these, to the kids, exotic foods that they just wanted to taste, that they just wanted to have some because... A, they're starving, but B, I mean, the regiment of their diet is so static. And it, it, that was a form of psychological torture that was laid out to us in the courtroom yesterday. For example, uh, one of the girls, I think she was a 12 year old girl, but her favorite drink was apple juice. And anytime she could even just get a, a, a drop of apple juice, that would make her happy. And what her mother would do, uh, and I'm going to get into mother and father here in a second, but what her mother would do is go out and buy apple juice, put it in the fridge, within grasp, within reach of the child and say, you can't have that and just let it sit there. She would go out and buy pies and those pies would sit on the counter and then they would go into the fridge and then they would go back onto the counter within eyesight of the kids and they would sit there and not even the parents would eat them they would just sit there until they went moldy. As a matter of fact, when deputies showed up at the house back in January, they found moldy pies in the fridge that had not been touched, that were meant essentially as forms of psychological torture. So much so was the malnourishment that uh, several of the older kids had something called kekekia, which is a, uh, a, a wasting of the body. Um, and when we talk about wasting, let me give you a stat right here that is just absolutely stunning. An 11-year-old girl, she had an upper arm circumference of a four and a half month old kid right so her her arm as an eleven year old Essentially the same as a baby moving into a toddler. Uh, the older kids were on average 32 pounds underweight, on average 32 pounds underweight. And all of them displayed other signs and symptoms of malnourishment, including liver problems, liver disease, be- because it starts, you now, know, the, the enzymes start spilling out into the blood. Now, and it, it was just horrific.
0: Now, yes. this is for the most part permanent damage. The kids physically will yeah. forget about the emotional part, which will take a lifetime to deal with. But the the physical damage, uh, they're, they, unfortunately, they're going to have those physical problems forever, aren't they?
1: Two of the oldest girls will not be able to have children. That's how irreversible this physical damage now, is. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, this
0: one on, I'm assuming, for years because that's the only way this could happen. How about schooling for the kids?
1: That was another central focal point for the prosecution as they went through all of the affidavits that were filed by David Turpin to the state of California, saying that he was running a uh, school in his home, a private school in his home. And uh, of course, in that affidavit, saying that he was providing the exact same curriculum that would be taught at a uh, elementary school or at a public school in California, which we now know not to be true. The highest degree that any of the kids ever got up to was third grade for Uh. the most part though they they would be bounced out after uh, a first grade level education so on top
0: of that they're uh, functionally illiterate or they are illiterate yeah, and yeah. as far as uh the defense uh they had a chance to go up yet and start either attacking uh the prosecution and or giving their side of it
1: all we heard from the defense was on the cross. Uh, so today will be the arguments phase of the preliminary hearing, and we'll probably hear more of, of their argument. But uh, the what we could pick up in terms of the defensive strategy is twofold. First off, you have two separate uh, public defender teams, one for Louis, one for David. And David Turpin's team was pushing real hard to distance him from the decisions to chain the kids up and to uh, perform any form of physical abuse, pulling of hair, throwing, choking, those sorts of things um that was a big hole punched in that in- at the end of the day as an investigator from Riverside County took the stand and uh, talked about talking to the oldest of the girls the 29 year old who said she heard David say specifically that it was uh, this was something that needed to be done that the kids needed to be all locked up because otherwise stuff would go missing in the home and it was actually okay. Louise who said, you know what, maybe we should only lock up the ones who are stealing stuff.
0: So uh, it, it, the defense, based on what you just said, is they're going to be pointing fingers at each other and saying you're more at fault, no, no, you're more at fault, and uh, the starvation plan, I, I can't wait to, to see or hear what they're going to say. Other than blaming the other one, uh, I, don't, I don't see uh, a move for the defense at all.
1: Yeah, they're, they're locked into a pretty small corner here. And I think that that's the, the, the only strategy that I could possibly see is, you know, essentially each one distancing. From each other, because the, even the photographic evidence you know they flash pictures of the kids of the clothes that the kids were wearing when the deputies showed up caked in mud and and the underwear of the of the girls caked in blood oh. um, and I mean it was just absolutely Jeez. revolting yeah. and then they showed the picture that the seventeen year old took with the smartphone before escaping the one that she took from her brother and it shows her two sisters chained up to their beds and i I, I mean like. Just absolutely pale white skin, and you could see the bones through the skin, no muscular whatsoever, and those chains wrapped around their wrists, so much so that when they took the chains off, they showed pictures of their arms, and just dirt caked on their arms. The only clean spot was where the chains were.
0: Wow. All right, Chris. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, this, This is a tough one for you to go through,
1: for sure.